Hello, welcome to episode 11 of the Mentality Podcast. Just uh, filling in for Stevie briefly because he's off to play Huddersfield tonight. Um, so yeah, we're just doing a quick intro. Uh, before we start, just a shout out to UK Red Security. Um, I'm in Stevie and Dom's house now. And as some of you may know from Twitter, they were robbed recently. Um, this is before they got involved with UK Red. Um, and now I'm here now and I can look and see armed guards outside, fence, there's a moat. Um, yeah, so they're not getting robbed at all now, but shout out to UK Red. Um, who are sponsored the podcast. Cool. We were joined by Jamie Bartlett and Jack Simpson. Jamie is a journalist, tech blogger, and director of the Centre for the Analysis of Social Media for a UK think tank called Demos. Jack is involved with State of the Arts, Iger Studios, and runs the Hype Up Book Club in Leeds. Jamie was given a talk at Platform in Leeds, and we were lucky enough to grab 45 minutes of him to have a quick chat on all things about technology, its effect on us, politics, social media, his book Radicals, and we even briefly talked about psychedelics. And it was, um, yeah, really, really good chat. So um, give it a listen. We're here in Platform in Leeds. Um, we've got Jack Simpson for Hype Up Book Club and Jamie Bartlett, who's a journalist and writer, whose latest book he's giving a talk about later. So um, yeah, thank you for coming, guys. Appreciate oh, thanks, it. Man. Thanks for the buttons. Um, we'll kick off straight away with, are we compatible with technology? Our way of living now. I'm looking oh, at you, Jamie. On opening the, spot. the minds there. That's a big one, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Are we compatible? One day we'll probably be somehow fused with the technology uh, in some way or another anyway. So we've got to get used to our whether we're compatible or not uh, mm. and work out ways we are. But, I mean, my argument with this is that in a way everything's changed very, very quickly, mm. quicker than humans can evolve or adapt to. I often think about my upbringing and my childhood and because I'm one of the last generation that probably grew up as a kid without smartphones, without the internet. And then suddenly I've seen the whole world change around me. And I think a lot of the struggles that we see, you know, phone addiction, some of the mental health issues that young kids have got to do with, uh, you know, how they look and how they worry about what they're missing out on and those kinds of things. Uh, Russian trolls, you know, Cambridge Analytica manipulating elections, cybercrime and all these different things. A lot of it is simply this brand new, total game-changing technology has turned up so fast that we haven't had the chance, either a personal level or a social level, to work out how to deal with that. So I guess, yeah, I mean, it, you mentioned you kind of grew up um, without technology and have seen, well, without kind of modern smartphones as we know them. And yeah. like have seen that whole shift. And it was reminding, like my granddad told me he used to walk to school in, without shoes across a bog. And now when I, when I go over oh, to Ireland... Four Yorkshiremen joke from Monty <laughs> Five in here, isn't it? He was looking. He was looking. He was looking. He was But now when I go over there, I could, like, I go to Ireland, I can show him his daughter in New Zealand live on FaceTime and he just can't believe the amount of technology like he's seen in his lifetime. Yeah, I, and, I can't believe it in my lifetime. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think lots of this stuff seemed really futuristic, didn't it? And, and for a while, I remember things like Back to the Future and for a while it was a bit like, this is a bit shit, it's not actually come. And then the last, like, five, ten years... Have just been have just been wild, really. I mean, I, I sometimes wonder if it had been like being born before the industrial revolution, then the whole thing taking place in kind of 10, 15 years. Yeah. And and like you say, the difficult thing or our difficult thing, I think, is for people, uh, you know, around our age, that, that it's just it's two completely different worlds. Whereas people that are kind of maybe. 50, 60 plus, don't really have to deal with it as much. And kids that are kind of 16 have been born into it. I've got a couple of theories about this though. So I think that some of the, the younger generation that have grown up with it are starting to wonder if they're not missing out on something. Like that they, 
that they've missed out on bits of childhood that maybe were better without your phones everywhere, yeah, without massively. being connected. Yeah, yeah. They're like, oh, maybe, you know, playing outside where you weren't always being communicated with 24-7. Yeah. It's actually... There's so that, many diff different people. Yeah. Like, they've got such a big range of people they can talk to, st stuff they can talk about, what they can go on. When you think back to it, I know I'm in, in the age where you used to go out when you're 10, you go, go out on the bikes, you know, you'd mess around on bikes, call for your mates, and then that were it. That was a full day with just those mates. But yeah. now they've got this kind of thing going off in their pocket, whether it's their conscious attention that's going to go, oh, I need to check that. Might, something might have gone off in it or, or they're getting calls or they're getting text messages and alerts. I think the anxiety as well, when you, yeah. when you think about yeah. things like kind of making art or, you know, playing music or, you know, having really good relationships, they seem to rely in part on just being able to not be kind of restless, right? That you are just at peace with people and, and you are at peace. You know, I, I remember as a kid spending hours in my room. I, I, I don't know what I was doing Being now. bored. But yeah, but being there was, bored. there's a value yeah. in that. Yeah. There, was, there is. Like, kids, I don't think kids are bored anymore. No. I used to remember, yeah, Saturday afternoons that seemed to go on forever because there was nothing going on but it I don't know it sort of sparked thoughts imagination mm. you're trying to do things and I genuinely believe that a lot of young kids now are beginning to realise that they're losing something by what the promise of being connected and having information and access to everyone sounds amazing but without a bit of friction or difficulty or boredom in your life you do you do lose something and I, I sometimes think when I was growing up and going to school, I was, I was so worried about what bag I had, what shoes I had, yeah. like how to do my tie up in a certain way because it would signify what kind of group you were in and like yeah, these yeah. little things. Mm. That was hard. What it must be like when you're worried about yeah. what Facebook posts have you put Instagram. on, who's liked your post, what's your Instagram feed? I'm like, oh man. Knowing that you're not part of a WhatsApp group. Oh, and you're not else part of a WhatsApp. Is. Exactly. Like terrifying stuff. I do not envy kids today growing up. And yet in a way you think that you should because you'd say, oh wow, you have this amazing gadget. You can watch TV all the time. You can do this. You can do that. So why, no, why, why are we doing envy them at all? all. So why know. are we doing all this? If, if, if we all seem to talk of it as a kind of pernicious thing, yeah. Why have we all? Yeah, but it's a bit like it's a bit like uh, climate change. Like we all can agree it's terrible, and yet we're somehow trapped in it, and, and no one person or one country can solve it. Just and, a progression that's just going on. Yeah, and the truth yeah. of the matter is that we we are also be a species like as a species we, we we seek out convenience and ease as well you know yeah, so yeah. there's no doubt our lives are made easier like I, I i'd love to carry on getting black taxis around london but at the end of the day i'll take uber because it's yeah. cheaper and easier but i know that's bad and i know in the end that's not good for anyone but i think to myself well it's not my job to solve this problem is it someone else has got to fix it so it has to be governments then you mentioned um so when you talk about kids kind of growing up with social media now, and there is a lot of research suggesting that anxiety issues among young children is kind of on the increase. Um, and it's often hard to kind of quantify things with mental health because maybe people are talking about it more. Um, but I think on most studies, it seems to be, um, and you know, correlation isn't causation, but the rise in social media and the rise in anxiety among young people seem to be, you can draw some links there, I think. And something which I always think is, I'm not sure a young person's mind growing up is is kind of, capable of dealing with what social media is you know it's it's an instant kind of tool at communicating with you know potentially millions of people and getting feedback on millions of people if you you know put the if you tweet the wrong thing and become viral i think that's psychologically something we're not really able to deal with as an adult let alone as a malleable child um do you think 
you mentioned you think there is already a bit of a backlash. Have you, have you seen something that maybe? I, I well, it's partly just sort of stories of people that I speak to, interviews I do with people, yeah, yeah. and ki- the way kids talk about it, and the way I, I, I can see them just discussing these issues, often quite sensibly and with a sort of knowledge that they they understand something's going a little bit wrong here. And you know, the other bit of it as well is. It was on the news recently. A lot of the younger kids that I speak to or interview will often say that their parents are on their phones all the time and they hate that because they want to speak to their parents. I mean, i got a kind of worry that if you're a middle-class, quite well-off adult and you've got little kids, like all of my friends who've got kids who are sort of middle-class, yeah, yeah. You know, they are really thinking hard about this question. They're limiting their kids' screen time. Yeah, They're yeah. monitoring it carefully. No, 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 Timothy. Well, you're not looking at the screen. We're going to go and play in the garden. Well, that's great if you've got a garden. You know what I mean? And if you can afford and you've got two stable parents and they can look after you. But if you're not well off, that's actually quite a hard ask. And my friends that aren't so well off, they'll just give them the screen to entertain it's themselves. Easy. It's easy. And yeah, you're like, yeah. you need a rest and a break and things like that. So so there, there are other problems I think we might be building up and storing up for the future. But there are also some studies that show younger kids are increasing their privacy settings. Like they're getting a bit savvier. They don't share quite as many photographs as they did before. They, they do make sure or they, they sort of tweak who has access to what images they're conscious as well that you know they one of the reasons they like snapchat is because the images like, disappear after so many seconds and they're not there forever and they realize that's good because you're going to probably put something stupid out there so i'm sure there there it feels like both anecdotally and with a bit of data there is a bit of a there is a bit of a pushback from the youngsters i think uh when you mentioned putting images out it just reminded me of um I know Stevie recently. Something you did. <laughs> no, it was, yeah. it's more the it's Apple. I've done, so let's, <laughs> it was the Apple ID it. thing. You know, when you made your facial recognition on Apple, I was yeah, like, it just yeah, seems yeah. like something that just shouldn't be done. But that, I mean, that that's like when you mentioned that term there. You know, we're using it more. We're more compatible, but eventually we'll be fused with it. That that, that scares me. That just sounds dystopian, doesn't yeah. it? It, does, it just sounds it does. dystopian. Being and, I, and when but... I pull out my phone and in after this podcast and I look at my phone and it recognises my face from all these thousands of different angles. You know, that's that, I mean, imagine that's the start of it, isn't it? You got to think. You got to think about it in this way as well. Like ten years ago, if someone had told you you'll have a phone with facial recognition and thumbprints and you can and it, you can send pictures to anyone anywhere in the world whenever you want it's totally free you know and it's, you're going to be able to do x y and z thousands of apps 256 uh, 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 gigabyte memory you'd have been you'd have been like what are you Is talking about that's impossible days, isn't it yeah what's that was only a decade ago what's the catch you'd ask wouldn't you? yeah, yeah. Like, it's like it's what? not possible yeah. so and, 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 and it's kind of understood that the speed of change is quickening yeah, as yeah. well. So what are we going to have in 10, year, in 10 years from now? And are we as a sort of society ready? Is I mean, my specialism is whether our like democracy is ready for those things, but at an individual level as well. Because you, um, you, you covered the five-star movement for quite a few years now, I did. haven't you? Yeah, in, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. In Italy. And if you, you know... You've read my book, thank you very much. Yeah, Radicals is a great book because I really recommend anyone reading it. As a playwright, there's every single chapter, I think there's this is such an interesting play I could write about it. Um, but that one seemed to be so poignant now looking back and reading it because they recently have... They've formed a coalition, haven't they? Yeah, Five Star, yeah they're and, running the country. And they were basically... A, co- a comedian in Italy set up a political movement 
Um, and it's yeah. almost like it, it's the perfect reflection of our times, that story. And Donald yeah. Trump kind of hijacks up that now, but I think that is a better reflection of Absolutely. kind of what technology is under democracy. What, what's that movement? What's, it's called what's the, the Five Star Movement in Italy. Um, I'll let Jamie explain it a little well, bit. Well, yeah. Yeah, it's less than a decade ago. This, this Italian comedian, quite a famous comedian, trying to think of like who, he's like Frankie Boyle or something. I mean, well, he's like rude and obnoxious, but he's funny and popular. Kind of clowny. Yeah. Someone like that. Is that kind of character, but in, you know, household name kind of thing in Italy. He sort of got, he, he set up a blog and, he, and, and, and he, he wanted to get into politics and he was thinking about maybe joining the left-wing party uh, and they said no. And actually, and quite weirdly, one of the leaders of the left-wing party, the Democratic Party, said, yeah, his name is Beppe Grillo. Yeah, Beppe, if you want to start, you know, get involved in politics, why don't you go and start your own party and let's see how well you do. And he was like, <laughs> all right, then I will. <laughs> and he did. Yeah, yeah, and he did. And he, and he, and he sort of said, well, can, we can totally reinvent how this all works. He said, we don't need big political parties anymore. We can just do it all on a blog. We just need a blog. And, and everyone can kind of gather around that blog. And rather than letting your politicians decide issues for you, everyone who's a member of the blog community can vote on each decision and the MPs will vote as you tell them to vote. And anyone can stand for uh, election as well. And you can kind of run your own ideas too. And, and people thought it was ridiculous. They were like, comedian, blog, that's not how politics works. And yet, like, a few years later, they win a quarter of the popular vote because millions of Italians thought this is a new way of doing politics. It's really exciting. Uh, and now they're running the country. They're in the coalition, having been the most popular party in the last election. But the thing is, and this is why he's a really good example of the mod, like what digital technology is doing to politics. Yes, it's brought loads of people in to new voices, you know, amazing. But Beppe Grillo, the leader, he was the leader, he stepped down now. You know, he's rude, he's obnoxious, he insults people, but that's the kind of content online that does really mm. well. Attention, isn't it? It's attention, yeah. it's outrage, yeah. you know, and it, and it can create a really, like, aggressive form of politics. Well, that reminds you of Donald Trump as well, And that's it? Donald Trump. That's, that's Donald, his mm. thing. It's, it You're gets right, attention. Be Beppe Grillo was, like, a sort of forerunner yeah, in a way yeah. of, of Donald Trump. And, and do you think social media and kind of modern communication is kind of favouring just very simple, very, very simple messages? It seems like the right has had an easier, has kind of done better in recent times, kind of, you know, the rise of UKIP and Donald Trump. feels like those messages are more easy to make than maybe the kind of centrist stuff that was going on 10, Yeah, but it's, years ago. it's helped the left as well. I mean, Beppe Grillo, in a sense, is, is is, is a bit of left and a bit of right. It's not really obvious where he is. Um, Syriza in, in Greece, Podemos in Spain. I mean, mm. Jeremy Corbyn here, in a sense, so is the kind of, you know, really catchy, simple messages, getting people excited. Mm. So definitely in terms of, but, but centrism, do you think yeah. that's, this Boring is kind of like a key, centrism, but, yeah. but the kind of centrism, it's, it's more difficult to make some of those nuanced arguments, kind of third way kind of stuff. That's that's kind of complex, right? It well, yeah, takes time, it takes more than a tweet. Way, yeah, the way I see it is that sort of centrism is, is, it's not necessarily more sensible, it's not necessarily the right answers, but it's, it's usually based on some notion that once you get into power and try to make these things happen, it's complicated. It's boring, it's slow, so you have to compromise. You can't get everything you want because that's the nature of when you're running a place. Mm. Whereas who benefits are the guys who just say, no, it's, we're going to fix it, boom, it's yeah. done. And whether that's left or right doesn't really matter. Yeah. But I think that's the... And we are talking about this before. If you, like, your daily lives as consumers, 
you can have everything you want. You just click and you swipe and you get it and you get it fitted to you and it's personalized and you can, you know, it's immediate feedback. Politics, however, it's like you get to vote once every five years and you, your guy never wins anyway and you never get what you want. So politics seems increasingly out of step with your like consumer life. And I think that's what is driving some of this populism because that feels a bit more like, yeah, we're going to get the answer. We're going to solve it. Simple, done. Yeah, and, and some politics should be quite dull, right? Like lo lots of kind of making sure that, I don't know, supply teachers get paid and all this, like that dulls. Of, and a worry is, I guess, we end up with politics with just people that want these yeah, you know, yeah, gung-ho like things. Big Brexit, headline stuff. Yeah. Brexit yeah. is exactly it. It's like, yeah, we're going to take back control. We're going to fix it. We're going to sort it. And now... What a mess. Yeah. Mm. And that is why, like, if, and, and that politics is that mess. Yeah. It also was, I mean, b beforehand, like, Brexit is an incredibly complex um, issue, and there's left wing cases for it, right wing cases for it. Yeah. I mean, the EU have got, you know, very big left wing critics, and, but it was just presented in the media this huge thing of over immigration, basically, That's what, which is kind of a minute detail in the whole of Brexit. I mean, EU migration is only one part of migration, and, but the, the argument just seemed to be around immigration and borders and it became racism versus non-racism and became tribal i think yeah, didn't it? it became like are you are you on this team or are you on that team and i think a lot of people voted i had a lot of my 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 remainer friends because i live in london obviously so you know 80 yeah, yeah. or whatever people voted remain and they always it really pissed me off because they'd always say oh those 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 brexit voters yeah, they're, they're idiots. They don't, they don't understand the issues. They don't know what, you know, they don't really, they're just voting because what they, like, on their emotions. And I'd say, yeah, what do you know about the European Union then? And yeah. they didn't know it's anything It's incredibly either. complex. They like, would just say, they would say the same. They, they were just voting on emotions. They just felt like they belonged to that tribe rather yeah. than that tribe. I went to a talk with, um, it was at the University of Leeds. We had three people who worked in the, in the uh, EU and they all said, People say these blanket statements to them, like, oh, we can reform it from within. They're like, it's almost, they were telling about how impossible that would be as a task to do. And they said, look, I can't tell you if Brexit will be good or bad. No one knows. And I work in the, I work for the European Union. And uh, yeah. it was just, everywhere you looked, it seemed like a hugely complex issue that we probably shouldn't really be asked about. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, um, that's, I spent a lot of time researching. I know people in the Green Party who were like, incredibly making strong cases for like actually leaving the EU because of what it's done in Greece and Spain yeah. and some of its environmental policies and then you hear about other things I was like it is a massive ask yeah. it shouldn't yeah. be a big big vote yeah. isn't like, that their put, job put out to everyone yeah, and, and especially with, with people that have not been I mean most comprehensive you know my school you, you didn't get taught any politics yeah. you know so, it's, so, so that's maybe the issue as well maybe we should be involved in these kind of decisions but not just out of nowhere yeah. I mean given being given no kind of political training or education yeah completely I've got a theory here guys yeah the last time that, that the UK broke with Europe was in the 1530s with Henry VIII and the Reformation and everyone at the time was like this is the big problem your UK's going it alone uh, how are we going to survive outside the Church of Rome as a Protestant country and all of that stuff but the truth was the big event of that century was the invention of the printing press that is the thing that changed everything but no one really thought that. Everyone thought it was the Reformation. And I wonder whether it's the same here with like artificial intelligence, that that's the real big change. It's not actually the European Union. It's what's going to happen to all of our economies with smart machines and AI and all of that stuff.
And so we might be looking in the wrong direction. A yeah, I wonder, bit. Yeah. I mean, have you looked at kind of in the industrial revolution, whether there's been these, these, these similar things, these kind of uh, know, deficiencies of legitimacy or, you know, p- politically? Well, the way I see it, like, so if you think about the industrial revolution, the invention of the printing press or the invention of the mass, mass, media, like mass broadcast media, like television and radio, uh, each one of those just so shook the politics of the day like it just shook it to its core. It created all sorts of new problems. Like demagogues took over. There was oppression. There was new, exciting, liberating movements as well. New political ideas, and all of those things would happen in the first fifty years or so as this old world smashed into the new one. And I feel like that might be where we're at. You know, so, like yeah, it's, we're going to go for a period of trying to re configure how we run society, and, it, and that inevitably creates problems. AI seems to be the big one as well, right? I mean, it's obviously going to bring in some fantastic things, but even on the surface, like, it sounds amazing. Oh, we might not need to work again, but then you've got a huge workforce who, what do they do and what, how do you govern that? And there's so many potential pitfalls and it seems like politics isn't set up to be able to deal with those because it's so short term and these need yeah. to be, like you mentioned climate change is another similar one. It's like the tragedy of the commons is what you refer to yeah. in the book and it is, it's precisely that. It's in no one's interest to really make a big stand because other people might kind of pick yeah. up that slack where you've left it. Yeah. Um, what, in, in what ways, I think there's two questions I want to ask. In what ways do you see that there would be fusion? Like, is there any examples that you'd be able to say there'd be fusion of, you know, humans and AI and stuff like that? Is there any kind of examples that you have in that? And also, you're talking about like the middle class families where they're getting the kids to go out in the garden rather than looking at screen time and, and kind of these like, scenarios or um i don't know i guess it's like almost medicines really for combating it is the kind of ways that you'd 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 be able to tell listeners to kind of look at different avenues rather than just putting the ipad in front of them or yeah Yeah. well i mean on the first one about fusion you know fusion i mean it's a really simple one and the first one that people are already doing in great numbers it's just it's just implanting their bodies with little chips, little microchips. Is that started Inside, Yeah, oh my God, yeah. I can't cover it in, radical, yeah. Ra- in wow. radicals. Yeah, transhumanism. Yeah. I mean, in your book, someone opening a door with the hand. Yeah, you're so opening like, door. I think we yeah. were already uh, managing that. We could already that. do that. Yeah. <laughs> Starting their car, it's, yeah. It's, it's probably probably push easier. Pull like the, the worst advance. <laughs> pretty, pretty, basic, pretty basic stuff. But, you know, I mean... Um, at some point we will be able to i think uh upload information into our brains so the that's the kind of the next obvious one which would be very frustrating for someone who spent a lifetime learning a language if the guy next door (laughs) could just (laughs) some music it's like the matrix isn't it yeah right i know kung fu yeah yeah yeah. that kind of thing is and and i don't think that is beyond the realm of possibility within our lifetimes and and, you know you guys are interested in mental in you know mental health what does that do for your sense of striving and struggle and purpose Mm. and because i think that for humans a lot of our 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 deep like happiness and well-being comes from overcoming struggles and challenges Yeah, yeah and if everything in the world is so easy that you can just push a button and get it. What does that? How, where does that leave us? What as is a, the purpose? There, what's the yeah. purpose? Yeah. yeah. What satisfaction do you get from? And then do you have to start creating artificial things to overcome them? Because you know, I feel like sometimes groups like the English Defence League and people like that, which I also follow, 
they're just looking for a purpose to do something yeah. and to have some battle against some big power that, and they want because they want to feel like they're engaged in a struggle and have a union something. with other people doing like, the same exactly. thing yeah. Yeah. which exactly. is kind of like a basic human <clears throat> it is. desire isn't yeah, it, it is. and you of... could take the EDL guys out and you could plonk them somewhere else and if they had that same sense of community and struggle they'd be perfectly happy doing something else rather than probably you could put them in anti- Islam or uh, Antifa well, however, you know the anti-fascist guys are usually clash with them you could probably put someone in either or and in the right scenario, they would have gone 100. The other if way. Tommy, like, if Tommy Robinson had been born a few doors down, he would have been an Islamist extremist in one of those groups. Like, it, yeah. it, it, and, and vice versa. It's just like for, for for these sorts of people, they're often looking for some purpose and struggle. And it's a bit of a tangent, but what I'm saying is, how much worse might that get if more and more of life? Is, is easier, simpler, more convenient, or we don't have jobs because of AI. So we're kind of sitting around being like, what are we actually going to do? Which you, might, you mentioned boredom as well. I think that's an yeah, interesting boredom, yeah. one. On, like, there is a beauty in boredom in the sense that, and I think this is dangerous. Now, if I get bored, it's an automatic thing for me to reach to my phone. And, oh, stuff. Yeah. and you're not doing that consciously. It's that that is controlling you, not the other way around. And we should try and flip that relationship because... Before, like you said, um, and I'm a big fan of meditation. That's like one of the tools that should help me the most. And it's really nice to just recognize that urge and then not listen to it. So when, when I feel like I have my phone, I'll stop myself. And, you know, you don't have to constantly refresh your Twitter feed. Or Yeah, I think, I think this is one thing which you, you talk on in the book, the kind of attack on people's kind of yeah, autonomy in terms of their mental space. And yeah. that, that's something I, I think is going on is, you know, Google, Facebook, they don't want us to be at peace, right? I mean, you know, in, in its most kind of pernicious where which people talk about all times in kind of like a fairly capitalist kind of attack, but it seems even more dangerous and subtle with social media. Yeah, which links kind of to your second question, which is what do you sort of, do you have advice for sort of parents about that that pernicious effect? And it's, I mean, I think there is, there is, there's a growing number of, of actual apps and things. I know it sounds like a bit weird to use an app to be an app, but that where you can limit your own use and you know you can measure your use mm. and um, some services like slack for example allows you to time things so it's like don't show me any notifications for the next hour and then show me them all at once and then not again because That's one really of the useful. great problems is often being distracted frequently and then not able to regain your concentration um, but i think like to, to me the advice i give in, in my new book for people is to is to take the idea of learning how to focus to concentrate to not be distracted as a serious quest like you you it's not something that'll just come naturally to you if you've grown up with smartphones anymore you've got to try and relearn that skill and that means really being quite disciplined like i'm not going to check my phone for 10 minutes today and then tomorrow it'll be 15 and i'm going to work up and then i you know i'm going to leave it's it like kind of go to the gym and, but mentally yeah, yeah exactly yeah, it's a skill and you, you work can cultivate. on that um it's definitely something that. which like it links into a bit like, uh, like you, you'll get it when you play rugby, when you're in flow state. You know, yeah, you're not yeah, thinking yeah. about your phone. And the more and more you practice that and take distractions away, you can cultivate that more and more in everyday yeah. life. And that's a great feeling, isn't it, when you're in that zone and you're yeah. not thinking about anything but the game you're playing or, mm. or whatever. And yeah, I think like it's really important to realise that is something in your normal life as well that you need mm. to work on. People, people were forgetting about that now with the emergence of smartphones and everything you can do on them. But like you mentioned before, there's going to be a generation that maybe never, ever actually touched that state. 
or they never actually have, have fed into it or understood what that's like to go out and play out all day and not you know have, yeah. have a worry and and get distracted from from what you don't need to be distracted for which I've never thought about that but mm. people growing up now I feel sorry for those people because yeah. that's the best that's some of the best stuff isn't it it's yeah. an interesting segue actually into another group you you followed in radicals which is the psychedelic yeah. Uh, movement yeah. and there's some really interesting exciting growing research on that particularly from a mental health perspective yeah. actually I'm not saying for everyone go out and do mushrooms but I think there is a space but I think there's a, a, a space for um, things like psilocybin and, and DMT and LSD to be used in a clinical kind of setting to help with some of these issues especially with anxiety and things like that um, I know when you were, were you, when you were on, was it a retreat kind of thing yep. then? You, yep. you did actually go through the experience at the end. And you were kind of brief in the book about um, your experiences on it. But is that something you look back on as like a profound moment in your life or was it more? Yeah, it was interesting because I was, I, I, basically what happened was I spent, um, the, the psychedelic society in the UK has, has gotten really big in the last couple of years. And mm. it was just at the beginning that had just been founded by this guy called Stephen Reed, And he, he wanted to put on these like weekend away breaks where you could take psychedelics in a safe setting not a clinical setting like a hospital like okay, under yeah, yeah. with doctors and maybe clinical is the wrong word you. but safe but, yeah, but, yeah, yeah in a sort of therapeutic way where it's not you're at a party and you're off your face and you take something because that's a really bad way to do psychedelics it yeah, has to yeah. be the setting has to be really calm and gentle and you've got to know the people you're with and so it's all about the conditions under which you take it so they were putting on these weekend retreats with sort of special helpers people who are real experienced takers of those drugs and stuff in the Netherlands because it's, it's legal to do it there so so 25 people went over there to do this on the first one me included but I didn't take them on that trip because I had to I was there actually for the BBC and we were we were interviewing people and stuff and the BBC told us that because I was like can I should I be doing it <laughs> yeah. and the BBC, can I dabble yeah and the BBC <laughs> were like we can't we're not we can't be using license fees payers <laughs> money to, <laughs> so not I had yet. to yeah so I had to stay totally sober which is actually quite good to, to watch them do it and see how they were doing it carefully and I mean, to their credit, they were letting me interview them, which at the time I didn't think much of. But later, when I then went and did it myself after all of this, I realized how stressful that might have been for them to have some guy with a microphone in your face <laughs> being like, so how do you this feel? How for do you time. feel? Or a dragon yeah. with a light bulb. <laughs> yeah, well, whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, um, so then when, but everyone said, and I did, I'm, I've got to be honest with you, I was quite scared because I'd never taken psychedelic drugs before. I'm not really a big drugs person. Um, and I sort of, I'm one of those people that like freaks out if you feel like you're out of control, like you've lost control. I've got Same, mates. it's always my fear, but yeah. there's, there's a, the promise with psychedelics is always that you, you know, you transcend the senses and get this sense of oneness and lose the self. And Yeah, I know, but I'm like a lot of people, I was also scared by the bad trip stories oh, yeah. and Some all of that stuff. I was like, stories. I can't risk that. I could freak. Because <laughs> if I get, if I've had one beer too many and I'm feeling dizzy, I freak out, I hate it. <laughs> so like the idea of, taking LSD and spending eight hours not being in control of yourself is like but so I thought but but everyone said if you don't take them and try them your chapter will have zero credibility you have to have experienced it yourself so you can write about it 
So I was like, okay, so I went to this getaway, this guy like back to the Netherlands, this guy's kind of helped me and gave me the right dose and stuff. And yeah, I've got to be honest with you, like at the, at the beginning, I, I was thinking, oh, you know, it's all right. The colours are a bit more vivid. I'm not feeling anything amazing. So I thought I probably haven't had enough. So I had a bit more, <laughs> which is always <laughs> a big mistake. Big mistake. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but it was a really amazing setting, like trees and forests. There was no one else around and that. And then at this one point, I just stood there looking out at these trees, like with my jaw literally hanging open. And I just couldn't. I, all I wanted to do in the world was just to stare at these trees. And I stood there for I don't know for how long. It just, I just, it got dark. It was like two or three hours. I didn't, my feet did not move. And my head was totally empty of everything apart from staring at these trees and like, oh my God. And I didn't want to do anything else in the world. And it was a pretty amazing feeling of just clearing your head of everything, just appreciating and understanding what was all around you and being like in that moment, something that I've hadn't really experienced before. So I feel like there's the potential there. For, I'm not one of these people who's like, it allows you to achieve a, a totally new level of consciousness mm. that, is the, that is the truth yeah, yeah. that's yeah, the yeah. true consciousness and everyone else is living a lie that kind of argument yeah, yeah. but i felt like it did because psychedelics have been around as long as humans i mean yeah, we, we've yeah. had them for thousands of years and it's been part of rituals and religions and all that all that stuff and so i felt like you know what explore being able to explore in a safe environment our own inner minds and our own inner world seems like quite an important part of the human experience and if we can work out a way of doing it safely because you don't want 15 year olds taking lsd because they've heard that it's really good for your mental yeah. health that's a disaster safety is definitely if we, yeah so i think and this was the advice i gave to the psychedelic society you've got to be like double triple safe on this because it will go really badly wrong if there's loads of news reports of young kids jumping out of buildings because they think they can fly that's the end of it it's over you yeah. can't it takes exactly it doesn't take much for that to happen and that'd be such a shame because then we'd lose all these really interesting research projects that are going on about how it can help people yeah there's so like um yeah it's like you said if there's one bad story or one schizophrenic outbreak off the back of them it could be it could be the end, really. Yeah. Like, um, yeah. But it's yeah. a really interesting movement. And I, and I think I argued in the book as well that I can see it becoming as big a movement in this country as it was in the 60s when it was like the heyday of psychedelics and stuff. Because I think a lot of people are looking for some meaning in their lives as well. We've lost organised religion. We've lost a lot of community groups and stuff. And pe but people want that. It kind of goes back to what we are talking about earlier, really, even with the EDL. Yeah, you know, yeah. People are looking for some connection with each other. They're looking for something that seems to be missing in society today. And I think some people are finding it in psychedelics. Cool. Um, I think we've got a few minutes left before your talk, Jamie. Um, so, yeah, very quickly, are there any kind of... What would you say if you were summing up your latest book in kind of a sentence or two oh. um, for our listeners? Oh, yeah. kind of right. oh, paragraph. <laughs> yeah. paragraph, man. Yeah. paragraph. Yeah, well, this is the people versus tech. And it's really just about... So we, we, over the last six months, maybe a year, I feel like a lot of people have suddenly seen there's all these problems to do with technology and democracy, like elections being rigged or like bots and trolls trying to interfere loads of cyber crime that seems to be going unpunished a lot like more polarization and anger and like just debates online that are getting out of control and i was trying to put them all together and say there's a these are all part of the same story 
which is a bit like that industrial revolution printing mm. press thing old world new technology and they're clashing and i think uh, uh, the way that we're going our modern technology and our old school democracy just don't work very well together and so the book is explaining why that is and coming up with a few ideas about what you might do in response. Do you, do you see it almost then as like some people are kind of almost in the future? It's almost like people are at different times speaking to each other. That's how it kind of sounds. It sounds like some people are living in yeah. a kind of almost cultural <laughs> social construction that, that other people are not in. Well, yeah, well, I'll tell you what, if you, yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you live in Silicon, and I spent a lot of time in Silicon Valley, partly for this book, and they're living on a different planet. The things they're doing... Like the Powder Mountain. You've seen Powder Mountain where like, loads of people uh, yeah. live and they... Yeah, yeah like I have Tim Ferriss and whoever. Yeah, exactly. And, mm. and what they sometimes forget, though, these guys who are building our future is not everyone thinks like them. Not everyone wants the things they want. They're all very well-off and rich. and But, like, you know, behind every amazing click of a button where you can get your food delivered, there's some poor bloke who's got to cycle around for seven quid an hour to get it to you. And they don't think about those people in the same way. And they don't think about sort of the long-term effects that can have on the health of the society. So they're just busily building all this amazing stuff and these gadgets, but they don't really think about the consequences of mm. them. Yeah, I, I find this often in discussions with people that are into crypto that are kind of maybe left-leaning friends in crypto. Damn, I've lost so much like, on crypto. <laughs> oh, sorry, I don't want to bring that up. <laughs> oh, have you? But, uh, Gutting. I got in like about January and my mate said, I'll oh, get onto Ripple. And, yeah. <laughs> mate, you should have bought, read my book, The Dark Net, because that was out in 2014 and that had all about Bitcoin in that one. This has gone wrong. This one. You could, made a, you could have made a lot Should of money. Should have done this earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Go on, Jack. You're oh, mate, you know, the secret is <laughs> buy cheap and sell. Did it the other way around. Expensive. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so you missed you, it. You got that wrong. <laughs> the other way around. But yeah, no, I was just going to say, yeah, people, people, these, you know, people that are kind of, uh, yeah, really pro crypto, but don't see, you know, even medium term problems of a currency that's got nothing to do with supporting a health system, an education system, a legal system. These kind of things. You're like <laughs> he's still shaking his head. He's still shaking. It's a soft point. Not that much. Just uh, yeah. Ethereum into your phone. I've got some Ethereum. Actually. Yeah, yeah. I still think that one could come good, but yeah. Anyway, I think we've got to leave it there. Yeah. Um, thank you so much, for Fitness in Jamie. I yeah. realised um, for having me. There was a awesome. sinkhole on the Otley Road, which made it a little bit late. <laughs> got it. Um, but yeah, really appreciate. It. I felt like we could have chat for hours, but um, appreciate you fitness in before yeah. this, and uh, we're looking forward uh, to the talk. Wicked. It's definitely opened my mind, mate. Definitely, right, I can cool. definitely see. Uh, another sort of awareness to that uh, completely after that conversation that people in different like areas communities ways of living and now artificial intelligence and smartphones is affecting it all yeah it's, it's exciting and terrifying at the same yeah, time yeah that's it? how I am yeah, yeah. and I'm going to yeah. pull out my iPhone now and let it read my face <laughs> for, for the first seven thousand time we'll see where that leads yeah quick shout out to Jack from the Hype Up Book Club as well man thank you for facilitating pleasure, this chat and uh, for having such a great venue if you didn't go to the Hype Up Leisure Centre launch on the weekend <laughs> oh, yeah that was, you that was pretty special <laughs> yeah. yeah thank you <laughs>